Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have you with us as we take a look at the first round of the Super Rugby Pacific competition, including the Force's heartbreaking loss to the Brumbies. My name is Mick Collis. Joining me is former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to have the season underway. Absolutely, Mickey. Enjoyed the, the weekend of rugby. It was great. It was a bit hot in Perth on the weekend. But uh, yeah, down in uh, beautiful Albany today via the podcast. So uh, the, the clouds have just been rolling in. A bit of rain down here as well, which I haven't seen for months. So yeah, good to see a bit of rugby on the weekend and nice to be back on the podcast this week. And a man who loves rolling malls and white singlets and it looks like emu export as well. And I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts about the Brumbies and their try-scoring prowess later on in the show. It's a warm welcome to the singlet-wearing, the great man, Heath Tesman. Yeah, I, I really don't know how to reply to that. So thank you very much for having me on. I do love an EMUS export. Who doesn't love a bush, a bush chook? <laughs> and you're in the, the official bush chook uniform tonight, Tess, and it's got yeah. the guns out. It's, this is where, this is where I wish got, we were um, videoed, not just... Um, just audio. Well, I should, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, I'll be drinking something a little bit classier next week. Quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly. More to come on that one. Well, after an interrupted couple of seasons, the Super W is back with the best women's players set to enjoy a proper home and away competition this year. And one lady who can't wait to get stuck in is the Western Force Super W captain, Trilene Pomeray. And she joins us now. Trilene, thanks for your time on the rugby wrap. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. No worries at all. Now, the Super W draw was released on Tuesday. Fiji and Drua have been included. Each side will play five matches in the regular season. There'll be a total of 12 doubleheaders aligned with the Super Rugby Pacific matches throughout the competition. You must be pretty excited to have that uh, all ahead of you. Uh, definitely. We've been waiting a pretty long time to get some game time, especially on home soil. So um, it's exciting to have our first, first round on home soil um, before the men. So, yeah, we're pretty excited. And how frustrating has it been not being able to um, not being able to play these last couple of years? Oh, it's been rough, hey. Um, you go through your moments. I think all of you will know. You're training. You don't know what you're training for. You got a tournament, then you don't have a tournament. But um, no, it's been good. Um, it's been a long time coming. I think our, we've built a, built a good foundation last season. So um, we're just happy that we've finally got a um, fixture out there and we got some games lined up. And how, how have you and the rest of the girls, you know, kept motivated and, and kept engaged after those constant disappointments? Um, it's been tough, I won't lie. I think um, we just had to pretty much pull our group together and just remember why, why we're here, why we started. It's not only about us, but it's about building um, community rugby and being a pathway for younger girls as well. So, um, yeah, that's what kind of kept us going and sticking at it. But um, we're pretty happy now that we've got a fixture. Yeah, and the fixtures, as I mentioned, came out on Tuesday. So round one, Friday the 4th of March, uh, the Western Force up against the Queensland Reds at home, which will be fantastic to play in front of the, the Sea of Blue. Round two, Sunday the 13th of March, Waratahs against the Western Force at Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. Uh, round three, still at Leichhardt Oval, so a bit, a bit of a road trip against the Fiji and Drua. Then you've got round four is the bye. And then uh, round five, the Brumbies against against the Brumbies, I should say, in Viking Park in Canberra. And then you finish off back here at HBF Park, the doubleheader again against the Melbourne Rebels um, on the 8th of April. So, uh, hopefully, I mean, you, you always get a pretty good support over here. So, um, it must be great, mm. those doubleheaders, 
to be able to play sort of not the curtain raiser. It's, it's an equal thing, but someone's got to play first, but at HBF Park in front of the Sea of Blue. Yeah, it's going to be great. I think we have lots of support here. We just haven't had any games here. So I think um, if you look at the young grades, the 14s towards the 18s, they've been the biggest um, turnout we've had in years. So that's grown in the last two years. So it's, it's good to have games in front of them and to visually see a pathway for them. So that's exciting. And Fiji and Drua, a new addition. Do you know anything about them? Is that going to be a mystery? Uh, well, we watched it. Um, they had a trial game against the Reds on the weekend. Um, and I think they're going to be tough to handle. Um, just like their style of play. They play half rugby, half basketball. Um, <laughs> they're built like a brick house. Uh, but they're exciting to watch. And it's exciting to have different competition in our, um, in our, our circuit. So it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be tough. And, and speaking of styles of play, what, what style does the Western Force want to play in the Super W competition? Um, I, think we've got a, I think we've got a good rounded team. We've had, um, now that it's gone back to the uh, weekend games, we've been able to get our players back. So last year it was a two-week tournament and um, that, that took away a lot of our players um, just through availability with work, time off. So now that we've got that weekend away, I think a lot of players have come back. Um, so I think we, on paper, we're quite strong. Uh, the only thing being over in the West, we don't get much um, test games. So it's good to say, yeah, we're travelling good. Uh, we're looking great, but we're running against each other or no opposition. So uh, I think up front, we'll, we'll have a good crack at them. And um, I think we've got enough strike power out in the backs. Because you, you're almost, you know, a professional setup, but are you professional? Are you, are you being paid or is it still very much an amateur thing for the women? Uh, it's very much amateur, um, very much so. I think coming under, this is our first year under the Western Force, so now we're aligned with the men. So that's a good stepping stone. Um, I think we're a long way from being professional and being paid, but in saying that, I think we've come a long way in the last mm. few years. Um, we are making steps, and um, I think lots of eyes are on the Super W comp now at the moment. I think so it will only be a matter of time. Um, and saying that, we need to provide a product as well um, to be able to showcase why we should be paid. I don't think um, we're there yet, but I think in the coming two, three years, I think definitely um, it will be a professional sport and a pathway for some young girls. Because as you know, you're, you're all quality athletes and, and yourself you're a great athlete is it is it frustrating for you to see the NRL or the women's AFL and the glory girls getting paid and and you guys aren't is it, and is it oh. tempting to, to to leave rugby to go to league or, or try AFL as some have for sure if you see like the last even people in rugby not even in our state um they've gone to league lots of those top league players top tier players now have all some of those top tier players were at the 2017 um, Rugby World Cup. Mm. So um, it's definitely enticing for some of the young girls. I just think some people do it for the love of the game. And um, I think they can only last so long. So um, it's, it's doing good for the moment, but I think we are losing a lot of talent to other sports because they are being paid and they are getting financial rewards for their efforts. But um, for me, I love rugby, so I'll stick around for a little bit. You should go down to Nettie's. I hear they pay a truckload. 
Oh, yeah. I have, <laughs> paying spates. That's about all they pay in down there. <laughs> and Trillian, tr- tr- some of the, like, some of the, the players you talked about, some of the young girls, who are some of the exciting young girls that the Western Force have got? Oh, I think Tamika Jones. She's a um, pretty exciting uh, open side flank. I think she's just turned 18, just come through the school grades. I, I don't think we have, she's been exposed enough, but I think she'll be someone who will definitely go good in the future. Um, Nicole Leddington, another just skillful, super skillful uh, fly half. So there's a, there's a few young girls, another hooker, Cheyenne um, Carney. Um, she's exciting to watch. Um, yeah, more excited about the players that we've got back, I think, has been... Yes, talk to me about that. Talk to me about the old bull, Beck Clough. <laughs> yeah. So, Beck Cloughing, you can't, you can't beat that experience. She's been to multiple World Cups, uh, played test match footy, just a bull out there. So, um, she's going to be exciting. Just, just come off the back of having her baby as well. Um, it's just, like, amazing playing with mothers who pretty much full-time mothers and then come down after their job, another full-time job, and then come play mm. rugby and run around to get smashed. So it's, it's pretty inspiring being around those women. And Mitch, you're, you're a big fan of the women's rugby like we all are. It, it must be tough for them, as Trillian was saying, you know, you've got to work full-time, look after the family, go and play rugby, then take time off to go and travel. Absolutely. And, and what's good about this year is um, the opportunity to, Play week in, week out. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna present its own challenges. But Trillian, just, just talk us through the coaching setup for this year and what sort of preseason you've had. I know you mentioned you had a hit out the other day, but what have the coaches done this year, and how have you been able to get depth in the squad as far as um, preparing for the tournament? Um, so I think everything we kept continuity has been big for us. So last year, this year we've kept our whole staff. Um, that took us through last year, which is a big win for us because over the last five years, in the first three years, we've had two different coaches every single year. So it's hard to get that continuity, that trust between players and build those relationships. So I think that's the biggest um, part. Um, So that that in itself has brought players to us. We're we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Um, People want to play. I think we had a turnout of 54 people. Wow. For women, um, and that got cut back to 34. So people want to see it. they've seen us now, and they want to be a part of it. I think um, the depth. I think that creates depth when you've got numbers, um, and just the coaching staff. I think there's a lot of trust. Uh, we have good people on board. We have Wayne Walden, um, Callum Payne. He's been around for a few years in the women's rugby. I think specifically women's rugby. So they already have those relationships with the women themselves. You're not starting from scratch with um, people you don't know. I think that's a biggie at the moment where we're building. Um, And our management has been crazy dealing with the COVID. It's been so easy for us. All we need to worry about is turning up Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. um, We had a huge pre-season. We started in November because we knew we weren't where we wanted to be. And uh, we didn't finish anywhere near, we haven't played anywhere near our potential as of yet. And it's been five years of Super W. So, um, yeah, we had a crack, we had a good crack early. And um, we put in some hard yards. So now we're um, just trying to fine tune where we're at and pretty excited to get going. 
And Trilene, you mentioned that um, a lot of the a lot of the ladies have still got jobs or they've got kids and what have you. And I'm just looking at the draw here. First game at home, that's really exciting. We talked about that, but then you're you're going to be on the road for a couple of weeks in Sydney. Um, does that mean you're going to be over there or are you going to have to fly and fly out with the two Leichhardt Oval games, one against the Waratahs and one against Fiji Drua? What, how's that going to work? And then you go into a bye week and then you're down in Canberra and finishing with a home game. So what's what's that look like travel-wise and demands on that? Uh, we haven't confirmed our flights yet, but it will be fly and fly out. So we will be on the road for those three um, weekends. So we will be leaving a day the day before and we will play that following day and fly back that night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. um, so five, five hours in the plane on the way over, five hours on the way back. You've got yeah. all your Netflix shows lined up? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be tough, but I guess that, that's the format that we prefer um, and it has its pros and cons. I guess the two weeks away just limits us with player availability, yeah. with work, being full-time workers. So um, it's going to have its challenges, but we're pretty excited that it is that fly and fly out. Um, schedule. Just on that, are you adopting any sort of recovery methods there or, or how are you guys going to look after yourselves? Because that's going to be quite demanding. Yeah, for sure. I think we're just going to do our best we can. We've got our physios and our SNC coaches and then we have access to all the force, um, all their management and resources. So I think that's just something we're going to have to manage. I think especially three on the road um, with only one of those weeks off, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I think we're a little bit naive at the moment, the demands on our body that it is going to be. But um, what you don't know, you don't know, I guess, for some of the girls. <laughs> but it, it must be, I mean, hearing you talk about it, like it, I get, I'm excited for you guys to be, you know, taking those road trips as a squad. I mean, that's the fun part of playing rugby is, you know, I mean, it's basically you've got three tours that you're going away on yeah. and, and it is exciting. Yeah, for sure. We're so excited. Um, it's, it's been a long time that we've we've got to do this. I think for the girls as well, it's it's an invitation and a little bite of what professionalism is starting to look like and what, like, you see the men's go away, fly and fly out, and now they're getting a little taste of that. So they're pretty excited. They think it's unreal that we even get to fly places to play. Um, so, yeah. And, and have you found being aligned with the Western Force has made a difference? Uh, I think so. More so just professionalism. Um, I think, especially when you've got a men's team above you to be like, this is the women's program now and it's under us. We're, mm. we're all equal. We're all the same. I think that speaks volumes for all the, all the outsiders looking in. Um, whereas under Rugby WA, it was kind of like we were the black sheep of mm. WA. And um, no, it's exciting. It is. And Trilene, what about um, the sevens format of the game? Would you like to see something similar to, to what you're going through with the 15s as, as sevens as well, as the extension of this whole um, Super W? Yeah, that'll be good. I think the more exposure and the more game time we can get, not only as a state but as a country, I think will be beneficial for rugby in Australia. I think we've, we're so limited for the amount of games we can play and especially when you look at test match footy, like we're trying to create Wallaroos. We want the Wallaroos back in WA. That's our goal moving forward to build not only Western Force, but breed Wallaroos in WA. So I think we can't do that without game time. I think it's, it's too hard. It's too much of a challenge. If you look at um, the Northern Hemisphere, they play Six Nations constantly. Mm. Um, and we're just 
too far behind, I feel. Um, New Zealand's travelling across to the Northern Hemisphere to get games. They've got their internal comps that run all season long. So uh, I think any footy would be good footy for us. And how is the strength of uh, women's rugby in, in WA? Uh, I think we're growing. I think we've, we've kind of dropped off to league and other sports in the last maybe three to four years. And now we've just kind of found our feet and starting to build again. Um, but we are getting there. I think it's going to be a slow and long slog. Mm. Um, especially our biggest grades now is the 14s to 18s. So it's how, what does that look like for them now? And how do we keep developing that so that all those girls don't as well go to league or AFL? So uh, this is a good stepping stone with the force for them to see, oh, hey, there, there is a game, there's a pathway for me to keep playing. Mm. So um, I think that'll be the biggest challenge. And are you doing st- much stuff with the, like getting out with the community and, and seeing those 14 to 18 year olds, are the Western Force ladies going out and seeing those, those young kids? Yeah, so that's the best thing about women's rugby in WA. I think we have eight mums in our team and lots of those, those players actually coach their daughters in the community. So getting a few extra of us down, it's, it's not that many of us. We know half the girls anyway. So um, I think it's something that we can definitely get out and do more on off our own bet. I don't think Western Force have to run a, a clinic or anything. I think it's better if we generally go there and we just want to help people hmm. I think that builds that community and for girls wanting to come play but um yeah it's crazy how many mums we have and how many kids are involved um there's two girls that have five kids it's look it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's good to set goals and, uh, and obviously that big first one against the queensland reds uh in round one is is what you're really focusing on at the moment but What's your expectations on the season, though? Like, are we looking we looking to get in that second, third playoffs? Is that sort of the plan? And I, rec- and I reckon that's very achievable. Is there certain teams that you're going to target to make sure you get the Ws? Uh, that's definitely our goal. I think top two, uh, even three, we want to make finals footy. So um, we're not there to cut oranges at halftime and have some snakes. I think we've worked too hard <laughs> to... Um, to to set um, limiting goals like that. So that's definitely, we want to knock the Reds off it in that first round. I think that'll give us a lot of confidence um, moving forward uh, as well. Not necessarily we want to target teams, but we want to win as many games as possible. So we're going in with the, with the intentions to win every game. Um, and yeah, just play. Good stuff. Fantastic. Well, Trelaine, look, we're very excited for you. Um, I hope you have a, a fantastic season. Uh, good luck on that first game and for the rest of us. Um, let's hope we get a big crowd out to HBF on Friday the 4th of March. I think it's a 4.45 kickoff um, yeah, it is. for you guys. So let's get plenty of people out there. And, uh, and we really do appreciate your time on the Rugby Wrap and look forward to having you back during the season. Thank you so much. Thanks, boys. Thank you. So that was Trelaine Pomeray, the captain of the Western Force Super W team. And Heath, how good is it for them to have that those double headers? Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to build the supporting base, but it, and it's equally as brilliant for the fans as well. Because you get you get the price of one. So that's that's the exciting part about it too. Um, but I mean, just for the for the girls, especially getting to play on getting to play on HBF as well. And like you mentioned, it's it's not a curtain raiser, it's just someone's got to go first. Um, it's it's gonna be pretty exciting for them.
And the, and the Western Forces, sea of blue, the fans are great. And they'll, they'd love, I reckon, getting out and watching the, the women run around before the men. Absolutely, Mickey. How good, how good is it that, it, you know, on a Friday night, people can get there nice and early and really get behind the girls? That's going to set them up beautifully for the rest of the season. And just, just by having that, I guess, that preparation where you're running out into a stadium that's, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's so special. I mean, even, even the games that are going to be down over at Leichhardt Oval in Sydney, they'll be fantastic afternoons there. And, um, you know, be able to finish with a home game as well in those mm. preliminary rounds. I mean, they, they could be playing off the top spot in that last round against the Rebels. So um, it's it's great to see. And I, and I think that you're right. They're going to really enjoy that camaraderie and the time they spend together on the road. I mean, I know they're long flights over there and back, but that's also time you can you can spend getting to know each other mm. and get, you know, learning a little bit more about each other as, as people. Um, and that's part of the beautiful thing about rugby as well. So... I think the the you know judging by Trelene, she was really excited. That that makes everyone so much more yeah. excited about what's in store for them. And let's just hope that um, it's not interrupted by any sort of COVID impacts, and that they get to complete the 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 season this year. And then hopefully, you know, as she said, like they get some Wallaroos in the team, and we get the next you know Beck Cloths coming mm-hmm. through, and we and we really have those role models for young girls to to take up the game. Give me, I've been able to read the um, the release, but so they've got both of their games at home are head to heads. Are any of the other teams doing the um, the double headers as well? Yeah, so there's twelve in the whole comp. There's twelve double headers. So I, I assume those uh, Leichhardt games. Yeah, yeah so, so the Leichhardt, Leichhardt games, and there's so a def- Viking yeah. Park game there. So I'm not sure if that'd be the Brumbies, but there's a Viking Park game, and uh, yeah, I reckon it'll be the two. two I think Leichhardt it's the Leichhardt. Games. Yeah. So from what. The, the round's got an asterisk next to it, so I assume that means mm. it. So the Waratahs game and the Drill game both got the asterisk. So yeah, I reckon that'll be the double headers, mm. which is um, yeah, which is terrific. And then yeah, the how Rebels exciting. game back here, and also you know, I mean, when they go out to the airport and they're all dressed in their Western Force kit, and you know, that you've got thirty girls walking through in the Western Force. It's a great advertisement. You've got people saying, "Oh, you know, what team's that?" Oh, it's the Western Force ladies team. I think it's it's just such an exciting time for them, and and for those girls, it, it'd be so different from. You know, basically playing, they don't get a massive crowd to watch their club games, but all of a sudden to be elevated to this thing where, Mitch, as you said, they're getting on a plane, then they play at these big stadiums and they come out here at HBF and the Western Force always put on a good show. There'll be the fireworks and the noise and the speakers and it'll be such a buzz for some of those young girls to actually experience playing in that environment. Yeah, and I'd love to, and I'd love to see that then transition into something like a seven so that, so that we're actually pulling in those other athletes from those other codes as well, because you know the you know the fifteen side game is very different to the sevens, and and I I'm a massive fan of female sevens. I reckon it's absolutely fantastic to watch. Better better product than what the the men's dish out these days sevens wise. Um, and I and I actually think there's some really talented athletes out there that are probably playing touch footy, that just need that tipping over the edge part and that this could be it where they actually go, wow, there is a pathway. I can travel. I can mm. get on the big stage and play and I might might give it a go. I might come back from rugby league or I might ditch the AFLW or I might, you know, I've you know, played a bit of touch with some of these girls. You know, the, 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 the amount of numbers of um, ladies playing touch around the state is enormous. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be that. Uh, unfamiliar to some of those participants out there in touch to transition across to rugby. Yeah, it's just that just that issue of the 
I mean, it's not all about the coin. And as Trillene said, you know, they play for the love of it. But, but if you've got a young girl who's got a bit of a talent and she can use a talent and get some coin or use a talent and not get any coin, um, it depends yeah. on the situation, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a barrier and a, a bit of a challenge that rugby does need to overcome because they, they will lose those girls, I think, to other codes if, if that yeah. continues for too much longer. Uh, especially that silly code of AFL. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they get they get the same. They get to travel and they get in the big crowds. So it's um, yeah. But let's hope this competition goes really well, and it is great that 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 draw is underway. But anyway, moving on to round one of Super Rugby Pacific, and we saw the Western Force go down at the death to the Brumbies in Canberra after taking the lead with three minutes to go, which was three minutes too early. The Cinderella story failed to event, eventuate for the visitors, with the Brumbies stealing the match with a try on full time to win the match 29-23. And Tess, was that the one that got away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can analyse and think over. I've, there's been plenty of criticism for the end of the match and how they handled it and should they have tried to run the clock down a little bit more. I mean, you would have you would have loved to tr- try and see them do it, but how much it leaves the team open as well when you start playing that perceived as negative type of play when you're just taking those little hits and you're taking the hit on and players just sealing over the top. It leaves a lot open for the uh, for the referee to kind of penalise you. So as much as you would have loved to see them hold it for a bit longer, um, I don't think we were going to hold the ball for that whole last two minutes, unfortunately. So you can't, can't fault them for maybe kicking it downfield. Would have loved to see it go into the grandstands, maybe to milk a few more seconds off that clock. But at the end of the day, the, the Brumbies, like, it, they just they just found that weak spot down the edge. There wasn't much on. They just had a little out the back forwards play. They found a few lazy force defenders who thought maybe the ball wasn't going to be getting that wide out. They managed to exploit it and tip of the hat to them. But the, um, the, the biggest disappointing part about that was probably just the game being over. We won another 10, 15 minutes of it, that, that, especially that second half. Like, it was just an exciting game of rugby. The first half was brilliant. It was, it was that physical contest that we were expecting to see. But then just, yeah, we just, it started, you could see the guys fatiguing in the heat in that first round game. And it was like two big heavyweights out on their feet. So you just love to see those last kind of 10, 15 minutes go for a little bit longer, just so you can see some more points scored because you know it's going to open up. <laughs> because it, it was, it was very physical, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's, that's something that especially like both teams pride themselves on. I mean, there's not too many rugby teams that aren't going to say they don't want to be physical and pride themselves on it, but Having known and seen how Laurie Fisher coaches his boys down there, and the, the forward pack specifically, how much they have like just being physical at the core of everything they do and how hard they train that and work that. And, and knowing that the, the force knowing going into that game that that was going to be the, if they could win the battle at that confrontation, that physical, that physical battle would go a long way towards winning the match. So they knew that they had to take them on right up front and, and they did. And it was, like I said, it, it, I'm using all the cliches here, but it was just a hell of an arm wrestle to see. And Mitch, did you like what you saw from the force? Yeah, look, Mickey, I, I thought it was uh, a, a great game and and I liked the way the force took it to him in the first 20 minutes. I mean, I expected that. I thought the force pack were, were really, really good the whole game. Um, you know, the tight fight was good, in particular the Big fan of Fergus Lee Warner. I thought he was just terrific, and he—I mm. still can't work out how he didn't get in the Wallaby setup last year. That—that that still skins me a bit. But um, I thought back row Kane Kateka made a good use of himself all day long. Um, Rashan Pesatoa, good debut for him. I, I like what what he was about. I thought that was a, an excellent effort by him in his first run on. 
Um, Isaac Fines coming off the bench was really effective. That, that yeah, he, pace he of the game a bit. Yeah, he changed. He was. He was. Uh, he looked electric. Yeah, really good. Uh, the back three were good. That was a, was a true try by Tony Pulu um, just after half time. That was one of the, one of the great tries of the weekend. Um, so I thought the back three was good. The midfield we lost Bailey Kunzel early, and Richard Kahui went on. And I just I just feel that that's probably a bit of a weak point. And that was you know not be too harsh on Kyle, but probably not one of his better games with a couple of unforced errors um, from him, but. Generally, I would have thought, you know, we should have probably got another try in that opening half. Like, just yeah. just get our noses in front. We just we were just happy just to keep with them, and it just sort of bit us in the backside a little bit towards the back end of the game because the, the Brumbies were far from their best. They were, they were sloppy at line-out time. Um, Noah Alessio was pretty ordinary at 10. I didn't think he had a very good game. And we just, we just kept him in the game rather than just put our noses in front, stick your chest out, and then make them chase the force and it and it just didn't go their way towards the end. It was a it was probably our bench in some ways that probably let us down in the end. I think I, we need to ask more of the bench when they come on the field and they need to be able to um to really make that point of difference. And probably Isaac Vines was the only one that probably did that. And not, not to be too harsh on on Richard Gahui, but the rest of them probably didn't make that point of difference. Because there was um Richard Kahui, there was that one thing that he he showed a lot more pace than everyone thought that he had. I can't oh, the remember. Tap. Yeah, the, the ankle, ankle tap. tap. Yeah. yeah, the ankle tap. Yep. So he's. And that was another. The Brumbies probably had four or five try scoring opportunities, which they didn't capitalise on. Mm. They seriously did, and and we probably didn't create enough um, to really deserve to win the game in the end. But when you look at how many opportunities the Brumbies should have thrown one more pass or failed to capitalise and overlap, then. You know, the Brumbies probably could have been up by a lot more at half time, but they probably didn't execute well. And that was that was down to Alessio not having a great game. When I saw the Western Force score that try in the 77th minute, I said to my my wife that that was three minutes too early. The Western Force, their history is littered with matches where they've lost in the dying seconds. Tess, are the fans going to have to endure another season of almost? Oh, geez, that's a, that's a big question. It's early. I mean, it's early on. The I know piece, it is but, early hey, on, it's a, but it's, it's a deja vu all over this again. Competition. It's a sprint, this competition. Um, I, I can't, it's hard to say. I, I can't see it happening. I think this is a, like we touched on last week, this is a really new group. It's a, a younger group as well. So they're not really carrying that, any of that baggage that maybe some other players and teams can carry into it. Like, um, something that I'm sure we'll touch on later, like the Tars have been able to completely shed, you know, all of the weight and the baggage that they mm. carried from last year into this year, and and leave it behind with a fresh with fresh coaching staff, and and a fresh group like that. Um, but then this group here, like being such a, a younger and a and a newer group, I think we've got roughly about a third of our squads new. Um, so I think that they're going to be able to come out and they're going to want to be hungry and and keep winning and not let it come that close. So I don't, I don't think as much as, you know, yeah, it's, it's early, but I don't think it's going to be one of those cases. I think that, that was a very good performance from the force. And, yeah, even the Brumbies said they were a little bit off, but they were pushed as well. So teams can be off. It's round one, but at the same time, opposition can cause teams to be off as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think we're going, to be, we're going to be all right. We're going to come back here. We'll have, our, we'll have a big game against the Rebels this weekend and be able to come back here with a 50-50 um, scorecard is what I'm hoping. 
and we are sitting there when the Brumbies were boring me senseless with those rolling more tries. Were you sitting there? Was was that hard for you to enjoy that it was against the Western Force, or did you just enjoy it anyway? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a sunrise, Mick. It doesn't matter where you are, okay. It doesn't matter where you are. It's always a thing of beauty, okay. <laughs> It could be anywhere, but it's always going to be a beautiful thing. And sometimes you just need to sit back and appreciate it and just enjoy that beauty. So. Yeah, I think you're the only one enjoying it. I did love seeing the top try scorers from the weekend. It was one of the, who was this, the Crusaders winger scored three, but I think every other person on the list was a hooker. So it's, a, it's a beautiful start to it's the a, season. It's a blight on the game. It, it annoys me. And, and Mitch, you mentioned Rashan Pasatoa. I, he looked pretty comfy, didn't he, for a young fella? Yeah, I liked, I liked his, the way he was setting himself up. I liked how he combined with the forwards. I probably want to see him run with the ball a little bit more just to challenge the line um, because he's a, uh, you know, he's a pretty strapping young lad. So, yeah, but I thought as a first hit out, um, he did very well. And to be perfectly honest, I reckon Tim Sampson might regret replacing him with 15 minutes to go because – his kicking game was pretty good as well. There's a couple of really nice up and unders that he kicked and he had a bit of length on his kick as well. And that was that was ultimately what cost us the, the game, just a poor exit out of our out of our own heart. So yeah, I think I think from a first run on, he did extraordinarily well. And I think Noel Alessio is gonna now be going a bit further back down the pecking order of tens in Australia. After round one, especially the efforts from a couple of the other t- other tens from um, around the country. He was the best 10 on the field. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's good. Ian Pryor inside him, Richard Kohui outside him. I like that. I'd, I'd be sticking with uh, the old man, roll him out again this week against the Rebels. I'm who, sure. who, are we talk, who are we talking with now? Are we talking Pryor or are we talking Kohui there? <laughs> both. Both. Keep the old man out there. Go old bulls with the young bulls. So, yeah, no, that was all good. And and. and Good to have that a little bit of attacking flair out wide too, Mickey. Like just, just the fact that Mattielli was able to run it back with a bit of interest and yeah, yeah. he's going to get teams thinking, oh, maybe we we don't kick it down the Western Force throats too much, and they might end up getting a bit of bit more turnovers and penalties in the opposition half um, out of it. So, yep, defense was great. I thought the forward pack, I could not fault them as a pack. I thought they were good. Yeah, it was good. And so, and from what you saw of the Brumbies, I mean, so obviously it's very early and they've, they've been a benchmark for for such a long time in this competition. Do, do, obviously, you're being a bit of Nostradamus here, but do you kind of think that's, will they be the benchmark again? Yeah, they'll they'll just be solid. They'll, they'll be, I think they will improve as the competition goes on. Uh, they need to obviously be a little bit more clinical at set-piece time and I would have thought their line-out needs a little bit of work. But Lalesio is the key to them. Like he's got two very good centres outside him, and he just his the delivery and service and organisation was a bit off. Um, Tom Banks at the back did some good things, some ordinary things, um, but they got a couple of good wingers um, in their ranks. So yeah, I'd expect the the Brumbies to be thereabouts, and they're going to be hard to beat this year for sure. And test the, the Western Forces, the scrum and the line out. You were happy with that? What you saw? Yeah, the boys were sharp. Maybe that. Just finishing off the game, I think. I think uh, the whole pack came out and put a huge amount of pressure on a very good Brumbies pack in that first half, uh, specifically at the set piece as well. But then um, just a few little fades, like letting the letting the Brumbies pack back in at scrum time 
one or two little fades line out towards that uh, last 10, 15 minutes when they're on the attack, which just let the pressure valve off. And it wasn't, it was just through just kind of just slightly off execution. There wasn't anything that the Brumbies did. It was just um, perhaps some lazy calling or, you know, lazy lift on our behalf. So it's, that's something they can look at themselves and say, okay, well, we can fix that. We haven't, we haven't had it taken off us. We've given it to them. Um, and so hopefully I'll be able to tidy that stuff up and, and go straight back into it this week. And the Western Force, I, I particularly liked the variation that they had in their line, especially was that move where Tim Anstey got over the line but just couldn't quite get the ball down. Do you like that variation or would you rather they just did that drive and try to get the old boring rolling mall try? No, the, the, that variation sets up rolling mall tries. That's the beauty of it. If, if, you, if you're running little loops and running plays off around the front, around the back, um, and you have players in motion, it makes it hard for a defence to just completely commit to a mall because they have to be able to cover everything else that's around them. Uh, the, it's something the Crusaders have done brilliantly the last two or three years, and, and they might run the same play every time, but they have six or seven variables on it. So it looks the same every time they want to run it, but they can hit a different player, whether they're coming short, whether the nine's running it himself. Um, so it helps to set them up. And then when they do get close to the line, def- defences need to honour those those other ball players, And, you know, then the tight boys can push it <laughs> over themselves, get a good head of steam up. So it doesn't matter how they get there, as long as there's a rolling mall try, that's all we want. It doesn't matter what happens in the lead They up. bring it down and they swing it around the front and they score. That's perfect because, you know what, next time someone's going to be looking for down the front and you're going to be able to maul up through the middle of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, looking ahead to this week, the uh, Western Force playing the Rebels in Melbourne. Can they bounce back? Uh, definitely, Mickey. I thought the Rebels were a bit of a, a shambles uh, last weekend against the Reds. I thought the Reds would look pretty good, but, you know, Reese Hodge probably had a game that he'd sooner forget, so he might he might not even hold his spot this week. Um, and, yeah, the, I, just, I just think the forward pack is just going to monster the Rebels' forward pack. They'll be combative, but they won't be able to... The, you know, stick with them. And I think the Western Force backs with a little bit extra firepower this year, I think they're going to roll over the top of the Rebels pretty comfortably. Um, you know, the Rebels, I don't think they're going to get a W in the column this year, judging by that first round performance. I didn't see much at all that was positive. And I was actually a little bit excited that, you know, I thought Carter Gordon might be able to spark a few things up. But, yeah, he just doesn't have the guys around him. Um, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a force win this week, Mickey, and I reckon uh, something along the lines of 26-11 is, mm. is my score pick in favour of the force. Because, test, I don't know what the stats are, but it seems to be historically that the, the Rebels have been a bit of a bogey side for the Western force. They seem to be able to knock us off when we think we're going to beat them. How do you think it's going to pan out this No, weekend? I mean, well, the, the beautiful thing about stats is that 75% of them are all made up anyway. So yeah. we can we can we can say that I think five of the last six times that we've come up against the uh, rebels, yeah, they've got on top of us. Um, there might not be any truth to it, but that's you know beside the point. <laughs> but no, you, I think you're right. Like they have been a little bit of a bogey team, but I've I've got to go with with Mitch here. I think as long as the, the force, you know, they just know they need to just keep improving incrementally every week. They don't need to go back and and throw the whole plan out and change everything. They just need to do a few things better at a few key moments, and and they come away with the win from that Brumbies game. And I think, I think they will be able to just outclass 
this Rebels team this weekend. The Rebels were a team that I was quite excited, you know, looking at some of the signings they had through the off season and and with some of the uh, some of the young burner boys, they call the the Melbourne boys down there. The um, some of the young forwards that were able to go on a Wallabies tour and spend a bit of time away and develop. And I was getting a bit excited, you know, for, for thinking how they'd go this year and thinking they could be a bit of a roughie. But then once that kind of round one team list came out, it was just a bit of an uninspiring team list, unfortunately. And there's it, there's not really anyone that can break it open. And you know, we talk about Carter Gordon. There's a there's a whole heap on his shoulders for a very young man. Like there's a lot of expectation, but you know, the same as what Mitch said, who's going to help him down there? Who's, mm. who's going to be able to put his hand up and really relieve him and guide him. And who's going to run that good line off him so he can put him away through the gap. You know, someone's going to be able to create something with him. And I, I can't see anyone really doing that with that squad. I think they're going to be tough. I think they're going to be competitive, but I think uh, like we were talking about the forces, force having agonizingly close losses i think the rebels could be that team this year that always does enough but not oh, they always not do enough, yeah no. just some but not quite enough yeah so that game is on saturday 4 45 p.m live on channel 9 gem and on stand so make sure you get to that one and hopefully the western force will return with uh one win one loss heading to that match against the reds the double header on Friday. Well, we've all called it now, so we've put the kiss of death on them. The are going to win by 50-something. <laughs> and just other results from the weekend. The Waratahs defeating the Drua 40-10. to 10, So a win for Darren Coleman in his first game and snapping a 538-day Super Rugby drought. So the Western, the Waratahs, I think, are actually on top of the ladder based on all the uh, yeah, 40 all the points, yep. metrics that they use. So, And, did you- and talking talking about 10s, tens, Mickey, Ben Donaldson, really good game. Really good game from him. He controlled the controlled play really well. And, uh, yep, Waratahs, they've got their monkey off the back and they've started on the, the front foot, which I thought they would, and uh, looking good, looking good. It's, yeah, keep an eye out for them this year. I reckon they've turned the corner. And, and so is that. Darren Coleman, how much of an influence do you think he's had? I think it's the biggest influence I think he's had is around the attitude. I think I think he would have taken them all into the room of mirrors, so to speak, and told them that playing for the Waratahs is not you've got a given right. You've all got to earn a spot and you've got to work hard and you've got to roll up your sleeves and play for each other. I think there's still a little bit of work they need to do, but, and, you know, I felt a bit sorry for Drew. I thought they, I expected them to be a little bit more. Um, I guess combative and probably a bit more physical, and I think they're a little bit on the back foot for most of that game. But you've got to put that down to the Waratahs coming out and really putting their foot on the throat as well. They sort of kicked on in that last twenty minutes of the game, really put them to bed. So um, yeah, Fiji and Drew, they could they could be the cellar dwellers of the Rebels this year if they don't get start to find their flair and, and be a little bit more combative against the Australian teams. Um, but certainly the Waratahs and Darren Coleman off to a good start. Does this does this comp suit a team like the Drua? Like, is it because they love that open style? Is this an is this an open style competition? Do you think? No, I think uh, I don't think it's quite as open as what the the NRC was when we were playing that, and I think mm. that was the biggest the biggest factor for the Drua on it was Friday night, wasn't it? Was just having to deal with that really hot line speed defense and a really structured defense as well. And it took them, I think they'll end up developing their game plan to, to adjust to that. But I think it might take them a few rounds 
because they need that momentum to be able to play off the front foot and get their offloads away and move the ball around. But you could just see so many times, even off the set piece, they were getting caught behind the line, behind the line, just with that Tars D defensive line, getting up and putting them under a lot of pressure. So I think it'll be a yeah, tough couple first rounds for the draw, but I think they'll end up getting some of that flair involved. The, the problem is they need to find it quickly as well without, you know, yeah. they've been, they've already been away from home for a couple months as it is. And, um, some of the you know the Drua teams, Fijian teams, teams traditionally do struggle when they when they're playing on the road. They can beat anyone in the world when they're playing at home, but they they can be a little bit more inconsistent on the road. So for Mick Bird and his coaching team, there it'll be about finding something that they can really anchor to um, to make sure they have something that feels like home for them, and then yeah, adjusting to the line speed of the defenses they're going to come up against. Because I, I hope this competition doesn't beat the flair out of them. That's it. You want them. That's what. Then that's what every Fijian team. That's why the players are so prized around the world, and that's why one of the big reasons they've been brought into the competition as well. Like not just to support the Pacific Nations, but for what they can bring to the competition mm-hmm. as well. They can bring that fantastic attacking flair, and we saw glimpses of it through the trials when they played against the Rebels, scoring tries from 60, 70 meters out, getting their offloads involved. Um, but it's yeah, like we said, it's just going to be a little bit tough for them as the as the as these super games, once you get into that season mode. Um, but I think they will adjust. It'll just be how quickly they can. Mm. And in the other matches, the Chiefs uh, 26-16 over the Highlanders, the Crusaders 42-32 over the Hurricanes, and the minor Pacifica Blues game was postponed because of COVID. So this week's matches on Friday, the Highlanders against the Crusaders, and probably the, the big derby in Australian sport is the Waratahs up against the Reds. So that'll be an interesting one, especially the, the battle of the front row. You've got the two young guns in Angus Bell and Tanila Tupo doing their thing. Oh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I think it's going to be it's going to be a good test for for both of them, especially for Angus Bell. Like he'll be he'll be right up for it. I think he was he was the man of the match as well. He was awarded it on Friday night. So he had a had a great game, not just at the set piece, yeah, it's nice but around skills. the park as well. Yeah. Um, but you know. Coming up against, the, I don't know, he's not only the premier tight end in Australia, he's arguably one of the best players in Australian rugby right now. He's It's it's brilliant, isn't it? When we go back to school, it was always the fat big kid that was picked last. Nowadays, we've got front rowers getting picked for teams first. It's amazing to see. But, uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a great challenge for for young Angus. But like we spoke about, there's last week with um, with young Pasatoa going back to play at Canberra for the first game. There's the familiarity there. And Angus Bell spent the last three months of last year just packing against Daniela Tupo oh. on that Wallabies tour. So he's, there's, you know, there's nothing that he's, he doesn't know about Daniela as, uh, opposing him. So hmm. I think it's going to be a pretty good competition between the two of them. Who can't wait to see the two young bulls go out there and get into it. And there's a great photo you might have seen of uh, – Tupo on that little plastic <laughs> chair. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, just Google Tanyella Tupo, a small plastic chair. I think they've set up a GoFundMe so they can get the rest of the chair for the people that are sitting in the sim bin yes. <laughs> over, at, over at Suncorp Stadium. <laughs> it's a very funny photo. Uh, and the other match, so on Saturday then, the Brumbies up against the Drua, the Blues against the Canes, as we mentioned, the Rebels against the Force, and unfortunately, Moana, they still won't enter this competition. Their game has again been postponed against the Chiefs because they said they just haven't had enough time after coming out of isolation from their COVID from the weekend before. So Moana Pacifica will have to wait another week before they get into this competition. So it's a, a bit of a shame for them. 
So we'll go to the mailbag. And Rugby Australia and the Waratahs have confirmed that Wallabies fullback Kirtley Beale has signed a deal to come back home. So he could become just the third Australian to feature at four World Cup tournaments. So uh, he's currently playing his trade with Racing 92 in France, 34 years old, rumoured to have dropped 500k to come back. Is that a good is that a good thing? Do, is, is that a good move for him and a good move for Australian rugby? I think any time uh, Australian international players who are playing overseas come back home is a good thing, Mickey. Whether or not he's good enough to make the Waratahs starting lineup for 2023, I think we don't need to get ahead of ourselves and think that he's going to go straight in the Wallabies. I think we need to be ambitious and think that, well, if the 35-year-old's making the Australian Wallabies, something's wrong. Um, so I reckon, yep, I reckon he's got something to offer the Waratahs set up. Uh, he's experienced, he's, he's plied his tray overseas. So um, I think he'll add value to the Waratahs squad, first and foremost. But whether or not we see him back in a gold jersey, I think we just need to keep the powder dry there. I wasn't convinced that he was that great in his Wallaby turnouts uh, in 2021. Is he, is it, because Jamie Roberts has signed for how many years? Is he just one year with the Waratahs? The Welsh guy. Yeah, yeah, probably one year. But you know, they've got they've got to bring through other guys. You know, having Kirtley there gives you depth. Bring through other guys. We don't know where his preferred position is these, these days either. He tends to play 10, 12, 15 a bit. So he floats through those three positions. He might just be there. They might just want a thirty-five year old every year on the list, and he might just be the one for twenty twenty-three. His turn. Yeah, just his turn. <laughs> Tess, you like the thought of Beal back? Um, look, yeah, I'm, I'm happy he's back in Australian rugby, but it'll be interesting to see. He, he's a player that's very passionate about the Wallabies jersey and everything that, that surrounds it. But And it'll int- be interesting to see what he can add to it or add to the group as well. I mean, we were able to see the effect that, that Quaid had on the group this year. Um, so hopefully it's a more mature, more settled, more balanced Curly that's coming back. And uh, yeah, he can add to that to that younger group of Wallabies that we're going to have. Because who's the who's the Waratahs fullback if he plays full? As you said, you know, if he let's say he goes for fullback, who's the Waratahs fullback at the moment? Just check the record books quickly. <laughs> Newsom. Question without. Oh, okay. It was Newsom. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, but interesting. Yeah, Alex, yeah. Alex Newsom. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was solid on the weekend, but again, you know. I don't think they've got a lot of depth in that back back 15 jersey and probably not a lot of depth at 12 at the moment, but you don't know what's coming through. Yeah. And look, if you can come back and guide some of these young players, we spoke about it with Pasatoa having Ian Pryor and Kahui outside him. So if Kurtley can be there to, to guide these young players, that's, uh, that's probably a good thing. Uh, in other news, after months of negotiations, the New Zealand Rugby Union Players Association has agreed to a, a revised deal with private equity firm Silver Lake. Uh, Silver Lake paying a reported $200 million, which was uh, for less than a 10% stake. And that's down from the $400 million that were figures that was originally thrown around. And the Players Association maintained their entitlement to 36.5% of New Zealand rugby earnings. So it'll be interesting to see how that works for New Zealand rugby and how much of that money actually filters down to the grassroots, which is where it's needed everywhere. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Mickey, to see what sort of impact the the current COVID restrictions have on the Super Rugby franchises at the moment. Because obviously, the the games on the weekend were without crowds. You know, the, the game in Queenstown on the weekend was at the old Rugby Park there in Queenstown. It was completely empty. It was 
you know, it was like watching a, a subbies game, so atmosphere-wise, and then you've got all these fantastic players throwing footy around. Um, but, yeah, I just you'd like to think they're not going to make a lot of money out of rugby this year as far as bums on seats and what have you. So where, what sort of impact that's going to have on the franchises and how that money trickles down to ensure that the ITM Cup remains healthy and, and mm. there's rugby factories that exist underneath the All Blacks brand all keep you know, viable, financially viable, and they keep functioning. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to see what demands they put on the All Blacks and uh, what things they come up with. Because obviously the, the Silver Lake, they, they're not getting into that without trying to make money. So they'll have some right. plan where the All Blacks is now a commodity that they own a part of, and they'll be just be interesting to see what, yeah, what their expectations are going to be. They'll roll out a few different jerseys, mate, just to keep yeah. <laughs> what was you know what was you love What was going on <laughs> with the Western Force playing in that jersey on the weekend? Can anyone tell me? Well, that's the jersey they've chosen as their away jersey for the season, mate. Obviously, their design's got uh, so it's some Indigenous design that's been incorporated into the jerseys this year, which is great. Okay, okay. But, um, but they've chosen the, the more all-black looking yeah. like the Chiefs-type setup. Yeah. As because, well, because, I don't know so, why they can't wear blue on the road. That's what I was going to say. Surely, I thought the other jersey was a clash jersey. So if they play against a team that wears a blue jersey and they're on the road, they wear the alternate. But, yeah, if you're playing against a team in white, why can't you wear your normal blue jersey? Because that makes sense. Because right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't drive the sales. I know. Sales of jerseys, mate. That's what it's about. I know, <laughs> and that's what drives me nuts. Well, as long as we've only got those two jerseys and we keep them for the next 10 years... I'll be okay. But if they start <laughs> trotting out, there's no chance. You can't have a sea of blue and then what people are going to have black. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, want to, you want them to buy the blue jerseys and wear uh, the Don't get me started. Anyway, anyway and now as um, Heath Tessman alluded to, we've got a meeting on Friday about a possible new segment on the rugby wrap. Uh, it's, we're quite excited about it. So we will we'll reveal that one next week if it does come off. But it's got to do with a, a refreshment. So, um, more, more, we'll know more on Friday afternoon. Heath Tessman's hand one, straight up. There's one. There's one more thing in the mailbag, isn't there? Uh, what about the talk of South Africa going out to the Six Nations? I saw that. Yeah. Oh really? Ta- take it away, Tess. That. Take it away, Tess. Well, that was no. That was that was all I had for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the article, um, well, there was, there was, that was the talk that was in. It was by I think it was going to be 2024 or 2023. Yeah, uh, 2024 so we, or 2025. South Africa will be set, playing. Yeah. In the Six Nations, which, you know, all the host nations are filthy about because then they wouldn't have Italy as the easy beats anymore, so they wouldn't have the guaranteed win. Because they were talking um, about, yeah, because with when the Santa thing were news that they don't think that South Africa will, will stay a part of it and they will go to the Six Nations. So will they will they drop a team to keep it Six Nations? Did it mention that in the article? Well, not sure. No. Well, it was just that a lot of the a lot of the Northern Hemisphere teams had come out and spoken against it. They weren't a big fan of the idea. Um, but, yeah, it, it only – well, I'm sure we'll know why, sooner. Why would they? It's, it's another country that's going to win the Six Nations. <laughs> <laughs> it actually goes to a Six Nations instead of a five and a half. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what will happen with the Rugby Championship then, whether – Will, will they bring Fiji into that or yeah, to or keep Japan the four? Or somewhere else. Japan, yeah. I guess whoever's got the most that, money. You can't help but make you wonder about, mm. um, 
like we were talking about Silver Lakes deal, what happens with Silver Lakes deal with the All Blacks if all of a sudden the Rugby Championship loses one of its biggest draws then as well? Yeah, good point. Good point. They'll be touring. They'll be touring to China. They'll take the All Blacks on a road trip. They'll become like the Harlem Globetrotters. They'll just tour and just play. They'll probably pull out as well. Just play the Bledisloe and then a world tour. They'll be like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave him. Keep going here, Mitch. Going. <laughs> Good. I like it. And then I the like only other, the only other thing in the mailbag, just a reminder: if you're keen for a Rugby World Cup tour in 2023, Gulliver Sports have got a great one. It's Tour One C. I can't remember what it was called because it was in French, but it's hosted by the Rugby Wrap. Five matches, plenty of merriment. So jump online to Gulliver's Travels and Tour One C. And it was Des Alpes. Atlantic. Yeah, we're going all over France. That's what we're doing, Mickey. We're having yep. three weeks in France. Yep, so we are. The rugby from the bottom to the top. Yeah, so I think it's Bordeaux and Chamonix and end up in yeah, Paris. We'll, yeah, we'll repost, be, some de- we'll repost some details on the Facebook page so people can know where to find it. And- you, you can have a night at Moulin Rouge with Heath Tessman. It'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fantastic. All right, well, that's us I for the week. Dancing. <laughs> Mitch, good to see you. Yeah, that's good, Mickey. That was good. It was great to have Trillane on tonight. That was a great chat, and we wish the girls all the best for the upcoming Super W. Can't wait for that first home game, Uh, and let's hope the uh, the Force get up this weekend. Yeah, very much so. And Tess, always good to hear your thoughts. Thank you very much, gents. Always a pleasure. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what singlet you wear next week, what colour singlet you'll (laughs) you'll trot out. (laughs) It's lucky I was wearing clothes. (laughs) And thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the Rugby Wrap.